0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Treks in Sci Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. I'm your host, Rick Dostey, and we will be discussing this week the episode Shore Leave from the first season of the original Star Trek series. This is one of my all-time favorite Star Trek episodes, as was the episode I just discussed in the first podcast city on the edge of forever the other topic main topic for this week's podcast is i am going to review the master replicas original series communicator that they built approximately well maybe two years ago now i think is when it came out that's sort of a follow-up to last week's review of the star trek experience communicator the pieces are very similar but uh Quite a bit more quality in the Master Replicas piece, but I'll be talking about that later on. First, uh, I wanted to uh, mention uh, kind of a few announcements. Um, The first being this week I decided to go out and get a a new microphone to try to improve the audio quality of the podcast. I wasn't all that happy with the first show's audio quality of the voice um, recording, it was okay. Uh, I'm using mainly uh, Audacity software, which, which works pretty well. I'm on a Windows-type PC, but the microphone I was using was part of a headset, or, or is part of a headset, and I kind of thought the audio quality of the voice uh, recording was not uh, the best. So I ran over to Radio Shack, picked up this microphone. It, it wasn't super expensive, and I'm still kind of getting used to using it. For one thing, I'm I'm currently just holding it in my hand, so that's a little bit tricky. And and Hopefully this will work out, though, a little bit better. Eventually I'll get some kind of a mount for it in that. But that's uh, just if anyone out there uh, has listened to the first show and listens to this one also, I'd be uh, very happy to get an email about what you think of the audio quality if if it seems a little bit better or sharper on this show the next uh, thing that I wanted to say is I I really appreciate anyone that uh, has taken the time to listen to the first show. I've gotten a few comments back and it seems like people uh, were enjoying it, uh, liked what I had to say, which is always nice to hear. And I will uh, try to, uh, you know, again, listen to people's feedback and, and make adjustments and so on in the show. But um Please, uh, again, if you'd like to send me an email, uh, my the email for this show and the podcast is treksf at gmail.com. The website, again, if, if you haven't seen that or you probably know if you've gotten the podcast, but the website is www.treksf.com. And, again, that's um, that's where you can locate the show. You can see the show notes and other areas uh, that i have on the website on that web page include photos of uh, things in my uh, collectible collection say that three times fast but uh, one thing about the website it is not um, by any means complete currently i am slowly trying to add in photos from my collection and and update that that's probably the main area that still needs uh, a a fair amount of work and my plan right now is to is to do it as I'm doing the shows. You know, definitely I will put in pictures from the whatever uh, collectible or product that I'm reviewing for the show. Those will be up, and I'm also at some point going to try to put a little video clip. Especially with a lot of these collectibles, have sounds and lights and various uh, little doodads that they uh, perform. That I'd like to put into some kind of video format and upload to the uh, website. So look for that in the near future. The other thing I wanted to mention was Scott Johnson at the podcast and and website MyExtralife.com had some real nice things to say about uh, my first podcast. Uh, I really appreciated his comments. And actually, I'm going to pull a little snippet out of his last show and just plug that in here to hear uh, what he had to say about my show over the first podcast. I heard uh, Rico did uh, a—he's been on the show, previous shows, was on last show, I guess. Uh, he does a new podcast called the Treks of Sci-Fi Podcast. Uh, he just did episode one, and I was strangely addicted to it. I really enjoyed it. He did a great job, and I'm—I really think he's got something going here. And it is for uber science fiction nerdo geekos. And he—and he really did a good job. So Rico, if you're listening to this, great job. I got your promo to play later. Later, maybe get this first break. Thanks for those comments, Scott. I really appreciate it. Uh, I've been uh, a guest a couple of times on Scott's show. He has a a great uh, podcast, uh, again, at www.myextralife.com, where he has a group show each week, and they discuss all kinds of geek-type topics, uh, things like uh, video games, movies, TV, uh, science fiction in general, uh, whatever basically is on Scott's mind, I think, for that week uh, is talked about. It gets pretty, uh, it's pretty hilarious. It's 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 a pretty humorous show. They, he has a group of guys that uh, they record their show via Skype and I think there's usually about four or five each week on the show I think it has a maximum Skype does of five people currently to to record so but they uh, they have an excellent show and I I highly recommend anyone uh, interested in uh, those types of topics especially gaming video games uh, science fiction to to give it a look or a listen I should say All right. I think that's, uh, oh, one last thing, one last announcement I wanted to make was about iTunes. Uh, Currently, I am just, you know, getting um, the request sent into iTunes to get this podcast listed there. But in the meantime, you can go to iTunes and manually put this podcast on your list. You just go to you know the podcast area advance subscribe to a podcast and you'll have to plug in the url for the podcast itself and you can copy that from the web page it's www.treksf.com slash podcast slash podcast xml but no need for you to really remember that you can just copy and paste it from my uh, podcast web page all right let's get to the uh first main topic of the show, the episode Shore Leave from the first season of the original Star Trek series. As I said earlier, this is uh, this is just a great show. Uh, it's probably in at least, oh I'd say maybe the top five episodes, maybe top ten, maybe not top five, but top five Star Trek episodes uh, for me at least of all time. It just really is a fun show. A lot of different characters get different little moments in the in the episode, it's it's just not a it's not just a Kirk Spock McCoy tale. Although they're obviously uh, primarily in the episode, I mean they they figure pretty prominently, especially Kirk and McCoy. Actually, this time get, gets quite a bit uh, to do in the show. DeForest Kelly just just has a great time with with the part and with the episode, I believe. And for those, I I'm I'm probably guessing and assuming that most people who have are listening to the show know this episode but in general i'll just give you a quick synopsis they the enterprise goes to a planet um uh landing party beams down and quickly starts to see some very unusual things uh dr mccoy sees a white rabbit kind of like out of alice in wonderland mr sulu finds a, a revolver type gun at one point in the episode kind of from the 20th century type uh Material And we find out that he's kind of a sort of uh, an aficionado of ancient weapons. Well, ancient by the time of, of Star Trek. And there are a lot of other secondary crewmen on the planet that that see strange things. Uh, you know, there's a, a tiger in the episode, a samurai. Uh, there's an airplane that strafes them. But again, getting back to the, I guess, to the synopsis of the show... It, it turns out that this planet was created sort of as a, uh, I think it's described near the end as an amusement park for a group of aliens to go and sort of uh, let loose. It basically, the, the planet uh, has the ability to make your sort of wildest dreams come true. Basically, it, it's, it sort of is like the, the original Star Trek series Holodeck. In other words, people just go to this planet. They can imagine anything they'd like. And it, it just appears for them. And it's it's interesting because you start to get into the sort of psyches and thought patterns of the crew of the Enterprise. Kirk, mainly, McCoy, not so much Mr. Spock because he comes down to the planet later on in the episode. But it, it it's a wonderful idea to to sort of um, especially early in the series, you know, this was only episode about I believe it was around episode seventeen in the in the series so there there was still a lot to be fleshed out and you know mainly the the original star trek series especially i'd say season one and most of them really were more plot driven and not so character driven as some of the later star trek series you know it was basically here's an alien ship it's trying to destroy us how do we stop them oh, here's a group of aliens, we need to take them to this other planet, or we need to be down to this planet and make contact with these aliens. You know, over the course of the episodes, the the character traits that you got from or found out about Spock, Kirk, McCoy, and so on, were not really from character studies or, or episodes that really delved directly with them. It was more from what was going on and how they responded to it. You know how Kirk dealt with an alien ship or or uh, a group of aliens on a planet, or how Mister Spock dealt with the same situations and so on. But the episode shortly, along with a couple other episodes from the first season, another one was the Naked Time. That uh, this one really gets into the the heads of these um, of the of the crew of the Enterprise again, especially the main the main trio. Let me play a uh, a small snippet here too from. Uh, the preview trailer that's on the dvd set for shore leave here it is captain's log stardate 3025.8 a planet which seems to be paradise is chosen for a shore leave but things of fantasy which are undeniably real suddenly appear solo enjoy yourself captain it's an interesting planet i believe you'll find it quite pleasant you'll have no problems. I swear I heard someone moving around. Don't talk like that. (laughs) Well, I am on surely. And so am I. (laughs) 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 All right, Jimmy boy. There, that'll give you a little bit of a taste of the show if you haven't seen it in a while. Um, so back to the episode again. That's that's the gist of the episode. It all, of course, works out good in the end, and it's um, just a fun romp of a show. They they have a great time. It's set outside, which uh, they did quite often in the original series. You know, they would go to uh, different areas. This episode was actually most of it was filmed in. And a place called, let me look it up, I had it written down here. It was, yeah, the place was called Africa USA. It was a kind of a Hollywood-owned park with, uh, obviously, trees and grass and so on that a lot of productions at that time used. They, they sort of modified some things. They added some more exotic plants to the set and spray painted some things and different colored rocks and that to give the uh to give the park and the area a little sort of you know other world type appearance. Uh the original uh well the the writer of this episode Theodore Sturgeon, uh, a wonderful science fiction writer which they, you know, Gene Roddenberry used quite often in the original series unlike the later series the next generation although the next generation used it to some degree also but once you got to like deep space 9 star trek uh, voyager enterprise they the the people working at Paramount and the you know the writing staff became sort of fixed it was a group sometimes they would each year bring in some new writers but the unlike um, what they did in the original series which was basically use the science fiction authors and talent that were out there, say, hey, we've got this uh, series called Star Trek. You want to write a show for it? And they'd give them a basic, you know, Bible or outline of the characters, what the whole deal was. And they would go, you know, write a science fiction story, which I think was a huge, you know, a huge benefit. These shows were not, um, did not sort of follow the kind of pattern that I think some of the later Star Trek series fell into. Now, those... Obviously, I I enjoyed also they have some wonderful episodes, but I think this really helped the original Star Trek series to stay very unique and different from episode to episode. I mean, there was continuity, of course, and and the people that even wrote these episodes, like I discussed last time, Harlan Ellison on City on the Edge of Forever, they still had to sort of follow the Star Trek format. They had to use the characters, obviously. They had to know what the characters could do, what they couldn't could do what they couldn't do what the enterprise could do and so on but these these science fiction authors obviously i think had just you know a fountain of imagination and uh, other ideas that maybe some of the staff writers and some of the later shows didn't quite have that experience didn't quite have that background and I think it hurt them ultimately, um, and I think that's one of the reasons the, the Star Trek series in general have, th- have been thought to be kind of gone downhill since the original and so on. But, you know, that, that's that's kind of a topic for another another podcast perhaps, but uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. So Theodore Sturgeon wrote this episode, did a great job. Actually, he, he wrote this episode, and again, this is a lot like the most of the episodes from the first season, a lot of these episodes were written before even the first one had been filmed. Gene Roddenberry tried to get a jump on a jump start on things, get a lot of scripts and stories in, and then they started filming. So as time went on, little changes had to be made to to the episodes. And Gene Roddenberry, there's even a comment that I found that said he was rewriting "Shore Leave" this episode as he was sort of in this Africa USA park, sitting under a tree as they were filming. You know, not not major rewrites. I wouldn't I wouldn't consider it at least, um, from what I've found out. The um but just small little character things, you know, a little more emphasis on Dr. McCoy as being this southern gentleman who likes a mint and julep and and just, you know, sort of has it fancies himself sort of a, a southern ladies man a bit. And Kirk, uh you, you find out a lot about Kirk in this episode. He runs into Ruth, uh one of the great loves from his life when he was a, a young cadet at the academy, and uh, you, you kind of find out that he's, you know, he's married to the Enterprise. He he gave up uh, a lot of things in his past and, and a relationship, and and you find out in the ep- or the movie, I should say, not episode Star Trek II, that um, he gave up uh, what probably would have been his wife and a son for his career. So. But you hear or you find out a lot more about um, that aspect of him in this episode, that he, he has strong relationships, and, of course, Kirk's always been considered the ladies' man, and, you know, there's not an, a planet, alien planet out there that he hasn't gotten a girl on. But, uh, you know, there's, there's more to it than that, and I think this, show really, uh, this episode really shows that. The other great part of this episode involving Kirk is the whole Finnegan thing. You really learn a lot about uh, Captain Kirk and his days at the Academy. You find out that he was really uh, a very, very sort of uh, almost sort of like a nerd in a way, I guess you could describe it or, or, or a bookworm. He was very, very serious at that time in his life. and he is serious later on. but you find out that he was he was picked on. and And to think about that, Captain Kirk, you know, the hero of the Enterprise and the Galaxy, at least in this series. Was this picked on little bookworm guy back when he was in his, in school? Is is I think it's just great. I think they, uh it's a wonderful thing to put in there. And his whole thing with Finnegan and the fight that they have, and the, the old man versus the young cadet, is, is is just wonderful. And the music that they use during that whole sequence is just just great. Um, Gerald Fried, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his, at least that's the way you spell it, uh, wrote a lot of ep- uh, episode music for Star Trek. Uh, specifically, they used a lot of that music, different themes, different musical numbers through Shore Leave, and the music of this episode just adds so much to it. I'm going to play a, a little clip here with Finnegan and Kirk right now, and you can get a feel for both that uh, exchange between the two of them and the music. Here, listen. Captain, what were your thoughts just before you encountered the people you described I was... I was thinking about the academy. My days... Hey, Jim, baby! I see you brought up reinforcements. Well, I'm waiting for you, Jimmy boy. Finnegan. Finnegan! What's been happening to my people? Take Sulu. Find McCoy's body. This man is my problem. Captain, wait! That's an order, Mister Spock. I think that's just uh, just wonderful. The uh, I. I I even have a, uh, a CD of uh, Star Trek music from a few of the first season episodes, and I believe Shoreleave uh, has m- many tracks on the one CD. You can find these kind of things on Amazon, but uh, just search for Star Trek under the audio section. You'll find all the soundtracks and some of them. I don't know. They probably released maybe half a dozen different um, original series compilations of music and one of the one of the things that makes to me the the original star trek series stand out above some of the later ones again and i don't want to come off as being like i don't like the next generation or deep space nine i really do like those shows and i think they have some some good music also but the original series just seems so much you know more lively and fresh the way they they did it the maybe it's the originality of it at the time maybe star trek sort of as as time has gone on kind of kind of weird it's welcome out a little bit and that but i never have really except for maybe some of the main theme songs in that for next generation deep space nine voyager the music the background music has never been that you know memorable i should say it's in there and there are a couple episodes that that's that doesn't hold true there are a couple of next generations and deep space nine where the music i think really helps and adds to the episode a lot but and i think it was also a part of the period of the 60s and music and the way they did television shows the music had a much stronger uh, influence during these shows and it's it's you can see that greatly in the episode Shore Leave and in a lot of the first season and later seasons of the original star trek series there isn't really an episode that doesn't have very, very distinctive music. You know, a Muck time where Spock goes through his seven-year cycle, and they have to take him back to Vulcan has has some intense, intense music that uh, just it almost it, it almost gets to the point where it almost overpowers scenes, but it really never crosses that line. At least I don't think so. But this episode, surely that we've been talking about, is uh is just uses that that uh, that aspect, you know, to you know perfection for me they have the outdoor setting it's sort of all uh, sort of fantastical and and it has this uh you know Alice in Wonderland feel to this episode where all these things are coming true that people are thinking about you know and Spock and Kirk slowly figure these things out you know what have you been thinking about and when they start talking about it again all of a sudden the Black Knight appears and and goes after Dr. McCoy and and so forth um it's just uh it's just a great time. The uh, couple other things I wanted to mention: a couple of changes that that this episode went through. Um, one is kind of the ending. At the ending of this episode, the caretaker comes out and explains the whole situation. The uh, in the episode to be you know that was filmed and shown, the way Kirk, Kirk and Spock start to figure out what's going on. You know, whatever they start to talk and think about, come becomes real. So. Kirk's idea at this point is, well, I'll get all the crew together, I'll get everyone that's on the planet together, and he, he basically tells them, okay, I don't want you to think about anything. You're at attention. Focus on that. Don't do anything else. Don't think about it, Say anything, whatever. He tries to focus their minds so they're not drifting off and thinking about, you know, white rabbits and knights on horseback and things like that. And then the caretaker appears, which you get the idea that, oh, well, Kirk's sort of on to them a little bit and they're not thinking of things for the planet and caretaker to, to make appear for them. So he pops out and says, eh, you know, hey, you guys, this is, this is the deal about the place. It's a place sort of like an amusement park for our people. You're, you're welcome to, tr- to use it also. And the way it was originally written, and I think this was kind of an interesting idea and twist, Kirk basically hey, and Spock work out the whole situation, what's going on, well, Kirk gets sort of a bright idea, and he says, hey, well, if this will do anything that I want, I want this, this planet to, I want to know and this planet to explain to me what's going on. He basically says uh, his wildest dream or his, his, his thought at that time is, I want this planet to tell me w- what's the deal. Why, why, why are these things appearing? Why do we keep seeing these strange things, airplanes, uh, and so forth? So I think that's kind of a neat twist. His 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 desire at that time is to know what's going on. So and, the, and then the same thing, of course, happens. And they explain everyone's okay. McCoy, you know, during the episode gets killed by this black knight trying to protect. Uh, or actually, he's not really. I should rephrase that. He's not trying to protect anyone. He's trying to prove that these things are not real. Uh, you know, so he stands out there. This this horseback guy is or the, the knight on black knight on the horse. Is not real. He gets killed. The body disappears and you don't exactly know what's going on. Of course, by the end of the episode, he ends up showing up with a couple of girls on his arms and he's all fine because the what happens there, they can imagine things and that, but the effects of it are not uh, permanent. Although there's little things, little twists in the show that don't quite um, follow that. I believe, if I remember right, the... You know, Kirk gets into the big fight with Finnegan. He gets all beat up, his shirts ripped, and all that. And I, I think he's uh, he's still that way at the end of the episode. Actually, I, I meant to watch the episode again. I haven't watched it in a little while, but if I remember correctly, he's you know he's still kind of beat up. But uh, it's um, that's you know minor little points. But obviously, McCoy is not dead. That was just. Um, they were able to repair him, I guess. I mean, when you think about it, did he die? Or or was it just a um, sort of an illusion of death to some degree? But again, that's, I guess, not really the, the main part of the episode or the main uh, important part of the episode. It's just there's this planet. They can go there, have fun. One of the, um, to me, one of the best lines in the episode uh, is something that Spock, uh, Spock says, which is... Um, the The greater the mind, the the greater the need for the simplicity of play. I don't know if I'm quoting that directly or or exactly, but uh, the you know the essence of it is, is that these complex aliens that can create a planet like this still need that sort of release and entertainment of just sort of letting their imaginations run run free and run wild. You know, kind of like what people do these days with video games, movies, television. Uh, reading a book. Um, and I find this personally, myself, to be completely true. I mean, after, you know, a, a kind of a long, hard week at work, um, there's nothing better, th- to me at least, than watching, you know, an exciting movie or, or something or playing a fun video game or computer game to sort of escape in to some degree. And it, it, it's, I guess it sort of balances out your mind. I mean, you, you, a lot of days you just have to be so serious and keep focused on things that that it's only natural that that your mind needs this sort of break i mean i think that's one of the things about dreams and sleep that that is how your mind stays healthy and and fresh i guess i'm getting into a lot more on this podcast than just talking about a, a first season star trek episode but uh, those are the, just the little thoughts that creep into my head sometimes oh um one last tidbit i was going to throw in another little uh, change from this episode at one point um the Enterprise is actually uh, slowly being pulled down into the planet's atmosphere. Um, actually, it's losing power. And it's discussed and described by the caretaker at the end of the episode that uh, the planet was not really meant for more than a couple of people at a time and that it needed more power and en- energy to, to create the things that the Enterprise crew was, was thinking about. And it basically started to pull and siphon power off the Enterprise but, of course, that was okay. The Enterprise didn't crash or anything like that, and, and they fixed all that situation. But kind of a, a little side plot. And I, I kind of, you know, when I when I read and hear about those that, that thing, I can understand why they eliminated it. I mean, if you could build a planet like this that does all what it does, the idea that it needed more power uh, kind of comes off as kind of lame almost. I mean, there's like, come on, you guys. These guys uh, can create all this, and they can't create enough uh, energy or power or whatever they use for that to, to run it. That, that just, to me, was a little bit weak. It's kind of like, you know, one of the classic plot devices or one of the old things about, you know, an alien race is out there and, and they have starships and they can fly around the galaxy but they have no water or they have not enough food or, or simple things like that or air and junk, you know, in, in, in weak science fiction, science fiction-type storylines and plots. And those you know to me, it doesn't make at all any sense i mean they <laughs> they um the idea that uh you know you can create a ship that can go faster than light, go from planet and solar system to solar system, but you don't got enough water to drink it just is a little bit hard to hard to swallow so that's my uh take on on the episode Shore Leave again it's 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 an awesome show it's one of my favorites and if you haven't seen it in a while i plan on actually popping it in later today and watching it again it's just a it's just a fun time it's it's a wonderful episode i think it's the kind of show also for star trek that i think almost anyone can enjoy i don't think you have to be a real huge science fiction or star trek fan to enjoy the episode shore leave and i think that's what makes a lot of the um for me at least the first season and and the original series of Star Trek so enjoyable is that yeah there are a few episodes that are a little technical heavy maybe more than some but not anywhere near the level that the later uh Star Trek series became i think there's universal things and themes and ideas that are going on in the uh the original series that just just don't really um require you to be a big big technical geeky science fiction star trek fan you know with the rubber pointed ears on and blue shirt or whatever um so i think that's what really is some of the appeal and why the reruns have held up so well and still do uh, on television you know they have a lot of strong themes a lot of episodes that deal with with issues and and morality and and things that um are just just fun to watch so that's Shore Leave highly, highly recommend it love the show okay, for the uh, second, I guess, main part of the show that I'm going to and, and did last week and I'm going to do this week I'm going to be discussing the collectible of the week and that is the Master Replicas and you can find them at www is that three W's I said? Yes, 3 com. This is a company, and I think I mentioned them in the first uh, first podcast last week's. They make uh, movie and television prop replicas, basically. Primarily Star Wars items and quite a few Star Trek items. The uh, I'm going to get a drink here. The episode... Episode, ugh. The replica I want to talk about today is the Communicator from the original Star Trek series. This item came out, I said earlier, about two years ago, and is a very dead-on replica of the original series Communicator with the flip-up grid. It has lights, sounds, it has a moving moir, just as the Star Trek Experience Communicator does like I talked about in the first uh podcast. It's a great item. It is it's long sold out. I believe you can probably occasionally find them on eBay for several hundred dollars. It was I think originally when it came out $300, but I'd have to I'd have to look back. They they varied their prices over time and um I think it was 300 though approximately when it first came out. It is um it has a you know a plastic type shell, black plastic shell, a smooth kind of body, and the comparison between this and the the Star Trek Experience Communicator, the the body on the uh, Master Replicas piece is is very nice looking. It's smoother. It has a more I guess you'd call it a realistic appearance rather than a sort of toy like appearance, not so shiny. It has a duller look. You'll see in the photos that I'll put up on the uh, show notes and web page. It's um. It again has the lights, the sounds, it has a, a much quieter uh motor inside that moves the the display, the display moir is uh moves, and the motor inside that is much quieter than the Star Trek experience piece. But it has the typical sound, the chirping noise when you flip the grid open. It also has the button on the back to make the alert sound for uh when you're when you have a call coming in. You occasionally if you watch some of the original series kirk will have the communicator on his you know the back of his belt and you'll hear this sort of beep beep and that means you know call coming in and he pulls out the communicator flips it open and it, it does that you push a button on the back of the communicator and there's a i believe it's about a five second pause and then it makes the sound which is kind of a neat effect um which the star trek experience one when you push the button on the back it, it automa, it immediately basically makes that that little tone that beep beep noise so there's a little difference there. The, you know, the Experience Communicator, still a really nice piece, only a f- about a $50 item compared to the uh, Master Replicas Communicator. But you know the Master Replicas Communicator also comes with a very, very unique and nice display case. Uh, Master Replicas for most of their prop items, lightsabers for Star Wars, uh, phasers, communicators, tricorders for Star Trek, come with very nice plexiglass type clear plastic uh display cases to keep the collectible nice dust free and, and uh really uh really clean so it's uh and it and it has this unique little stand for the piece i'll put a picture of it inside the case on the uh website in show notes which which really make it almost makes the communicator look like it's sort of floating in the air um but this uh this item is is just terrific if you're a fan of uh, the original series and you can snag or find one of these somewhere online on eBay or maybe another source it, it's definitely worth getting uh, it's um I kind of uh wish I had gotten a couple of them actually at the time but uh it, it's a, it's a great piece they've done a really great job with it uh it's solid it feels almost real it just it just um it's just a great piece one thing i'll uh, I wanted to say about the communicators from the original series, the Star Trek, uh, Star Trek original props, was that uh, especially the communicator. If you look at most, uh, and I think this, you know, people here and and think about this before on other shows and and on the web, but you know, these original communicators look so much like current cell phones. It's to me, it's kind of. unreal sometimes i mean almost every cell phone these days i mean some don't do this but you know they got the little flip open top you know when you got a call coming in you flip open the top and you usually have to lift it rather than just give it a quick flip with your wrist but there's no denying that these communicators i'm sorry the cell phones of of current day are very much like a uh i might even lay my cell phone and the communicator in a, in a photo and put that on the web but i mean it's there's not really much to say there. I mean, everyone's probably noticed that kind of thing if you're a Star Trek fan. So that's, uh, I always find that kind of amusing, that that something from, you know, oh, about 40 years ago now it was made into this modern-day uh, communication device. So that's the uh, Master Replicas Communicator. Great piece. Highly, highly recommend it. Uh, couldn't be better. The one one tiny, tiny little thing that, that has been mentioned on some... Uh, Prop forms that I visit and, and other online places was that the, the shape of the communicator in the front's a little bit thick, but these master replicas takes takes great care in taking um, each of their replicas from or trying to find an original source. They you know they were able to find an original series uh, Star Trek series communicator and, and measured it and, and and modeled their version right off of that. So this thing is is, is as dead-on as it can be, really, for um, a replica of an original communicator from Star Trek. The only sort of, I guess, caveat to that, I'll say, is that, you know, they only had one to look at. It's well known that a lot of the original series props, that they weren't quite all exactly the same. You know, they didn't just spit these things off an assembly line. So there may have been slight differences, and it, it will be noticed from episode to episode, phasers, communicators, tricorders each one had little nuances and little differences and they had one communicator to look at so now there's the differences between these pieces are not huge but there's going to be little things that uh are going to creep in you know a little a slight difference here in in shape or size but i think it's a great piece so uh i think that's mainly it for this this week's show the last thing i wanted to mention is uh went out last night and saw this movie called the 40 year old virgin and this really doesn't have much to do, or a lot to do, with what this podcast is all about. But the thing I wanted to uh, mention was, you know, this this is a real fun movie. Not for the kids; it's rated R, but uh, it's it's a great time. And and I had to laugh because the the main character in the movie has this huge collection of collectible action figures and in, in their packages still, and all kinds of uh, TV and movie memorabilia in his. Uh, in his little house or i guess he's sort of like in an apartment uh in the movie and i i got a big chuckle out of it because whoever did this thing you know they did their homework he had some pretty nice stuff he had it in cases in the original packaging he had a lot of it out on display and it kind of looked a lot like my place in my basement so uh I, I i kind of uh uh got a big kick out of that movie so if, if you're if you're kind of listening to this show and and that, that uh i think you'd You'd like that movie. I think you'd really get a kick out of it. So completely off topic in a way, suggestion or item, but thought I'd throw that out there. So again, at the end, uh, I want to thank anyone who's downloaded this and listened to the show. My name Rick Dostey. This has been podcast number two. Today is, I probably should have said this at the beginning. I'll get this down eventually. Today is Sunday, September 24th, sorry, 25th, excuse me. 2005 this has been podcast number two for treks in sci-fi if you need more information about what i talked about on the show it can be found at www.treksf.com you can email me at treksf at gmail.com thanks again everybody uh we'll be talking to you again next week with show number three this has been a rick dosti production